Hi, my name is Katie Grigg, and welcome to another episode of Wicked Good Development, where we talk shop with OSS innovators, experts in the industry, and dig into what's happening in the developer community. For today's episode, we're kicking off our State of the Software Supply Chain Report highlight series, and today we're kicking it off with field CTO Ilker Tarunanen here at Sonotype. So before we jump in, Ilka, and please give me a pass. This was my first time actually trying to say your last name. <laughs> um, but can you tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of what lens you're bringing to today's conversation? Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you very much uh, for having me. So uh, by the way, it was a decent rendition of the surname. It's just basically a Finnish version of Turner, if you think about it that way. So uh, I'm the field CTO here at Sonotype, uh, and I've been actually involved in, in writing the state of the software supply chain report for I think the past four or five years now. And, you know, the lens that I'm bringing up uh, to the conversation today is really, uh, really kind of the evolution of that entire uh, landscape of open source. So I primarily focus on uh, the chapter one, you know, usually around the consumption of open source, how it's expanding, as well as the vulnerabilities kind of going through there, uh, kind of uh, affecting us, the evolution of those sorts of things. And this year's report is no different. We've we've found quite a lot of uh, increase in both consumption of open source, as well as, you know, kind of the threat landscapes that uh, affect us when we're using it. I couldn't have asked for a better introduction. So let's dive in. I've seen some of the stats in this year, you know, in the growth space for just how much this has kind of exploded in the market in the past year. Can you talk us through some of the stats that you found to be most interesting and what that's indicative of in the future? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's there's just so many stats in the entire report that uh, are kind of fundamental knowledge about open source itself. And, um, you know, I, I feel like every time I read it, I've been reading it nonstop for months now as we've kind of gathered the data and we've kind of tried to distill the learnings from it. And I still feel like I'm learning something new every time I look at it. So this year, as, 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 uh, as uh, other years, one of the things that we do is we track uh, four of the largest uh, open source ecosystems from an application development perspective. So those ecosystems are Java uh, and Mavis Central, which is kind of the central authority for that. Uh, we track npmjs.org.com for uh, JavaScript information. We track PyPI, the Python package index, um, as well as NuGet, which is the go-to destination for .NET developers to acquire dependencies that they build on. So each of these are kind of the central authorities and central warehouses of open source uh, where dependencies and packages are distributed to developers. So when they, for example, decide to build something on Angular, they'll type npm install, npm.js is where it comes from. Or in our Java world, if you build something with uh, Apache struts or Spring or something like that, the dependencies by and large actually uh, arrive from Maven Central. So looking at these central authorities can kind of give us a glimpse of uh, how open source adoption is growing. It can give us also a glimpse of, you know, how many new projects are out there, how many new, uh, new um, uh, uh, you know, developers are out there by inference as well. And this year, you know, one of the kind of most striking things uh, for me uh, looking at this thing was, was really the uh, sheer increase in volume uh, of open source downloads. So... We've been looking at this for eight years straight. Every year we kind of count, you know, uh, estimate how many downloads occur in each of these uh, registries. And uh, this year, the estimated amount of downloads across these four registries is going to hit somewhere north of 3 trillion downloads wow. uh, or download requests. So that's 
that's kind of a number that boggles the mind. It's 12 zeros. It's, it's huge, right? You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. And what's kind of the most mind-blowing fact about all of that, uh, in the space of one year or 12 months since we last ran these numbers, that number has increased by approximately at least a trillion. So the average growth rate across each of these ecosystems was about 33%. Um, so that's a lot of open source, even compared to last year alone. Uh, and it's only been a year. Yeah, that's kind of wild when you put it in that perspective, you know, under that lens. Um, that's explosive growth. It, it really is, and you know, uh, it, it it's kind of indicative of the fact that there's no stopping uh, open source adoption. It kind of underlies all of our, you know, software nowadays, and you know, so much of software development today is about choosing the right packages and dependencies uh, to support it. Uh, and kind of as a side note, the two fastest growers uh, this year, or were really uh, were. The, the fastest kind of the rankings of fastest growing uh, organization uh, uh, ecosystems were actually uh, PyPI, which uh, oh, wow. is estimated to grow about forty percent, just over 41 percent uh, this year compared to last year, followed by uh, Maven. Actually, hmm. so uh, the Java ecosystem and the Java world just keeps growing. Um, NPMJS, JavaScript world, which we kind of traditionally see as one of the largest uh, collections of open source. That, that was actually the third fastest grower uh, in this ranking uh, with just air quotes, uh, uh, 32% growth. But uh, at the scales that we're talking about, for example, NPMJS, you know, the way that we're looking at this, it, you know, we estimate that they probably will hit 1 trillion, nearly 1 trillion uh, more downloads than last year, about 700 million or so. Um, and actually the volume that, you know, uh, they, uh, they serve uh, might actually hit the same volume of all of these four ecosystems combined last year. So, so it's it's it, these are some very big numbers, and and you know it's kind of interesting to see that they're growing at that at this sort of rate. That you know even after all these years of constant growth, um, in terms of uh, folks downloading open source from them. So, given all that growth that we've seen, and you know I, we're making this more of a highlight series, what would you say would be like your top three key takeaways? Um, out of this section of the report? I know there's a lot of good numbers, but what should be the three key things that people are walking away from this section with? Well, I think uh, I think this growth is, is, is you know, always a takeaway. It happens every year, but, you know, kind of with the good that open source is powering our world, that people are downloading it. The second takeaway uh, I think everybody should be taking uh, with themselves is that, unfortunately, attacks that are targeting these open source ecosystems are also increasing. So a year ago, uh, or nine months ago, 10 months ago, we all uh, got acquainted with what, what it means when a big security vulnerability affects one, one of these open source components that's particularly popular, uh, which was, of course, Log4Shell. Uh, but there's another type of uh, threat scenario that affects us all um, in the uh, open source ecosystem, and that's uh, outright malicious packages and other deliberately engineered supply chain attacks. In fact, but the second uh, statistic that we compiled uh, is that uh, on average, if we look at you know the last few years or so, there's been such an immense amount of growth in uh, malicious packages, supply chain attacks, what we label next generation software supply chain attacks, that the average growth rate over the last three years or so is uh, over 742%. Wow. So last year when we published this report, we actually published a diagram that looks almost exactly the same, except in that report, uh, the number went from uh, something like uh, uh, something like 
you know, 900 or 1,000 to 12,000. Well, this year, at the, when we wrote the report, um, we had identified over 88,000 uh, outright malicious packages. Um, and at the uh, live date, uh, when we're carrying this uh, uh, podcast, that number has since risen almost to 97,000 uh, all over. And that's because, you know, open source is popular. It's also a popular vector. Uh, and it's becoming increasingly attractive for these bad actors to go in and experiment. It's a, you know, you can use it to distribute good code as well as bad code. And unfortunately, there are several strategies. That's kind of my third uh, takeaway that you, I, I definitely love you to walk away with this on uh, is, you know, there are several strategies that these bad actors are employing to uh, push out these packages. Of course, we're identifying them amongst with the rest of the industry where we're sending takedowns. Uh, trying to get these down, but probably the most popular method uh, that we see nowadays is something called dependency confusion. So essentially a tactic, it was described about just over a year and a half ago by uh, a security researcher by the name of Alex Bursan. Um, and basically it's just finding out internal package names of, of a target company, registering them in open source registries because they have no namespace control and then publishing a malicious package with like a really high version number, but with like that internal package name and tricking their own automation to download it. So dependency confusion continues to be a very, very big thing. I think it accounts for quite a lot of these findings uh, that we're seeing. And unfortunately, it sends the message to everybody that, you know, if you work for a company uh, that, you know, has an open source estate, you can kind of expect that this sort of stuff is happening. Kind of a best practice there is just go upstream, register your package names preemptively, or at least protect your organization's namespace, so it's harder uh, for them to execute these sort of strategies. Um, we're seeing other types of strategies as well. You know, kind of classic is what we call typo squatting, as in pick a popular package name and then publish something that's not quite the exact same name, but like a typoed version of it. So, for example, we see these campaigns against a package called Colors. Uh, in JavaScript, Colors is a is a relatively popular package, and you know we've seen campaigns throughout the year where somebody packages somebody publishes packages like Colors 2.0 or Colors Helper or things that sound very legitimate, but they're kind of slightly typoed versions or slightly altered versions of of existing packages, kind of aiming to trick developers into downloading. And of course, we do see people actually physically sabotaging uh, open source projects as well, entering them as, as uh, benevolent strangers and then injecting bad code into it after a while and kind of building up trust. And then basically when they get maintainer rights, injecting it. And probably the thing that we saw rise the most this year, although we're still talking only about a few uh, uh, known instances, is something called protestware, which is yeah. basically an open source maintainer deliberately sabotages their own code to send a message and that's really caused quite a lot of conversation in the industry this year um you know in terms of some of them protest against uh not getting paid for these big companies to use their code so they basically self-imploded some of them are anti-war protests uh against you know the illegal war in the ukraine as an example um and you know w whatever the cause might be is, is forced the conversation about well open source code is delivered as is so you know what's the responsibility of the uh, publisher versus the consumer uh, in all of this. It's a it's a bit of a, a bit of a bleep move to do, but at the same time, it's uh, it's kind of within their rights, even yeah. though it isn't nice right. uh, at all. So, so I think these are kind of the biggest things, and I think the last takeaway really for everybody is um, 
you know, these attacks will continue, right? These incidents aren't isolated. Uh, if anything, this pace is growing. You know, if it grows at 700% uh, into next year, we're talking hundreds of thousands, if not millions, uh, you know, low million of uh, known incidents. So if you, if you think about it from that sort of lens, uh, that sort of lens really kind of knowing kind of the modern risks is, is half the battle, kind of knowing what you're defending against helps and just being vigilant and, you know, kind of putting a little bit more thought into open source, uh, especially now that we're downloading so much of it, uh, will go a long way. Well, folks, you heard it straight from Ilka. Explosive rate and growth is not going to slow down. Two, you need to educate yourselves on these types of malicious activities and know really what best practices you can use to help fight it. And three, stay vigilant because you don't know when the next attack is going to come. Did I get that That's right? It. <laughs> I think that's uh, about as well as I could have said it. Perfect. Well, tune in tomorrow, guys, where we are going to be having VP of Product Innovation, Stephen McGill, come on to talk about project quality metrics.